0: Hey, salespreneurs. Welcome back. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, my name is Clay Terrell, and I interview sales reps turned entrepreneurs through side hustles, real estate, buying, or building businesses. This week, I have another awesome guest and friend, Jaron Erickson, who started a business around helping professionals to break into tech sales. This is a really awesome story. I'm excited because it's very personal to me as well. Um, back in 2020, I had just come off a couple hot summers of selling pest control door to door and wanted to break into the space. So I had some barriers personally of, of getting in. Um, I, I'd, I'd heard about people making 120 to 250 K a year while working 40 hours a week in, in this software sales job. And I wanted to get into it, but something held me back was I grew up in a small town, four hours away from Salt Lake city, which is the nearest tech hub. Or Boise, which was another tech hub. And it was really hard to get any eyeballs or get taken seriously. Uh, so I had to work really hard. I had to drive down and meet with companies in person. I had to make a lot of phone calls. I scoured LinkedIn and I connected with tons of people, tried to just get their respect. And I felt like there had to be an easier way. And so when I saw Jaron posting on LinkedIn about what he's doing with Sales Dojo and how he wants to help level the playing field and help people get into, uh, this sales development role without, um, you know, having to be so far behind and and really give them a leg up. I was really impressed and reached out to him and wanted to, to get to know him. And it's been a, about a year or so since, and I've been able to watch a lot of his journey and we get to hear more about it today. I think one of the most impressive things about what Jaron is doing is his mission. Every time you hear him talk about it, it's all about the students and who he's helping. Uh, it's not this, Get rich quick type of business. It's Jaron really cares about helping people get into these sales development roles, and he's done an incredible job uh, doing that. And and today you get to hear some of those stories. So without without any more distraction, let's rip. Let's get back to the podcast and listen to Jaron's story. on my show man
1: well dude thanks for having me clay i uh i love what you've been building and how consistent you've been and like some of the other guests that you've had it's been pretty cool to see some of the people you've already got on so i feel pretty fortunate to to be here with you yeah man no uh you were legit like one of the first people i pitched on the idea of the podcast
0: four or five months ago so it means a ton to have you here uh you know Obviously, I think you're somebody I look up to as far as somebody that had an idea, tested it out, built a business. I think that you're also very young and humble and ambitious, which makes it easy to relate because uh, I I think you find a lot of these entrepreneurs on LinkedIn or other places where all of it's about ego. And I think your message is really cool because you're all about serving other people and giving back. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll get more into that. But I just super stoked to have you on here
1: well i appreciate it, man i think the the concept of what you're doing between sales and entrepreneurship i think they go so hand in hand um i tell people all the time i'm like so if if you don't know how to sell like you cannot start a business and so we get a lot of founders who will reach out to us who want to come through like our dojo course because they want to learn how to sell and so i think yes. having ability to sell is such a natural progression into kind of starting your own business, becoming an entrepreneur. And I I think it's an awesome, awesome concept that you're building upon.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's been an incredible learning experience for me as well. And being able to experience it with others. But Jaron, you and I know each other super well. Uh, You know, we've been friends for a while uh, in in different capacities. But for those that don't know who you are, can
1: you give us like a little background on uh, what you've done in sales and what you're doing now? Yeah, 100%. So my story, you know, it kind of jumps all over the place. Like I, I used to be a student. So I was, I was a college athlete originally. I was running at UVU. Big hurdler fan. So if anyone else is a big hurdle fan, like you know, because you're like one of very few. <laughs> but I was I was running track at UVU and my dad at the time actually suggested that I go work for a tech company because i was just studying business i had no idea what i wanted to do and so he's like hey you should go work for a tech company and i had no idea that sales was even an option for me i was like i actually had a negative stigma about sales to be honest i was like "Ah, i don't want to be like this pushy Mm -hmm. type of guy and my dad's like you don't have to be that way like especially business to business it's all about you know being able to connect and build value for others. And so I was like, no, sweet, I'll try it. So I originally started working at Divi, which was pre-bill. So I worked at Divi for a while, came in as an SDR, kind of moved up before I left at their acquisition and then became founder of what's called Sales Dojo. So pretty much taking my experience from Divi and trying to help more people access the similar, similar to the same type of career in tech sales and helping more people get SDR positions. So real quick, uh, SDR, what is that? Yeah. So SDR stands for sales development representative, which is like an entry level position within a a tech company. Now, what's weird is it's an entry level position, but it's so competitive these days that companies are wanting you to have experience. And so there's this big disconnect between, I want to be an SDR, but I need experience, but I can't get experience if I can't get the job. And so we've been able to create a program where we are able to train the skills that you need to give you the experience and also connect you to companies that are hiring. So we can kind of get rid of this this disconnect between people that want to get in and companies who are looking for top talent.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I feel like I could connect with your story really well because I went to college at BYU-Idaho, which for people that live in Utah, that's four hours away. There's there's no tech hub. It's not like I lived in Silicon yeah. Valley. I didn't live in Chicago. I didn't live in Dallas or Austin. I lived up in Idaho. And even though I felt like I had really good sales background, uh, I think I was pretty good with people. I was really frustrated when I went after college and like applied for four different SDR jobs and I couldn't land one. I was like, hold on a second. Like in the door-to-door space, I had people like tailing me, just saying, like, "Hey, well, I give you these offers, like signing bonus, whatever. And there's this weird, I don't know if, I don't want to say cultish, but there's a very weird stigma around getting into tech. And like, I literally mm-hmm. was texting a friend today who who wants to get in and he's like, I don't even know how. And I was like, dude, it's, it's going to be a, a trick for you. Like you really have to commit. If you want to do tech, you have to prove to uh, the gods or to the, to the gatekeepers that you deserve to be here because just because you have sales on your resume, doesn't mean that any tech companies can take you. Mm.
1: I'm sure you you see that every day. Dude. Yeah. It's, it's really, really interesting. Um, so I, when I started, I had no tech background. I had no sales experience and I didn't even have a college degree. And I feel like I got pretty lucky because I got in early, but some of the best sales reps come from non-traditional backgrounds in sales. And so sometimes you can have sales experience. Sometimes you can't, but what it comes down to is like, do you have the skills that the company's needing? And do you know somebody in there? Like how, who, who do you know that can connect you? And um, that network component is such a big piece. And I think a lot of people lack the network side of like, oh, if, They just look at it from an outside perspective, but internally, like if you're getting referred internally, you have like 10 times more chance of landing an interview than if you're just cold applying. And so a lot of times sales experience, yeah, that's great. You have sales experience, but do you have tech specific and then do you have some type of connection or referral inside? I think those are kind of two big components that the tech gods need, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and then. I guess I'm curious, you know, going
0: back to your your time at, at Divi or at, at Bill.com, did you always have the desire that you wanted to go start a business? Was that something you always wanted to do? Or was it one of those things that just kind of came by happenstance?
1: Dude, that's such a good question. So now that I'm like in the entrepreneur space, I, I meet a ton of entrepreneurs. And I meet a ton of people who want to be entrepreneurs as well. And I think there's this idea that if I'm gonna be an entrepreneur, I need to sit down. And I need to map out the top twenty business ideas that come to me, and then I'm gonna narrow this down to like my top five. Then I'm gonna try, and Mm -hmm. and I just don't think entrepreneurship starts like that. You can't just sit down and come up with a magic idea. Like the way that you get ideas for entrepreneurship is through moving forward in some type of direction and learning more about an industry, about a service or product. So, for example. Sales dojo, we're so focused on that tech sales industry. Five years ago, if you would have asked me, hey Jaren, like where do you see yourself or what do you think you're doing in five years? I could not even fathom telling you, oh, I'm gonna run a company that teaches people how to do tech sales. Because I didn't even know what tech sales was. I didn't even know anything about it. I didn't have the skill set. But when I got into Divi, all of a sudden, I started moving up, started gaining the skills, and I started opening my perspective. And the moment came when I had the opportunity to go be an account executive. I was 21. Again, no, no sales experience, no tech background, no college degree. 21 years old. I was going to go be an AE. I was going to make 110K starting out. And I was like, dude, why don't more people do this? Like, how is not everybody chasing to do these jobs? And realized, man, no one knows that this job is even possible for them to get in. There's no training here. It's not talked about in schools or anything. So I started to see a problem as I was working and going through my time at Divi. So honestly, I think that's one of my biggest pieces of advice. If you want to be an entrepreneur, is don't just sit down and like try to come up with a magic idea. Like go pursue something, like go get a job. Go get into an industry, or go talk to mentors and leaders. All of a sudden, all these ideas will start filling your head, and then you can start to piece things together of what you know might work as they start moving forward. So, I hope
0: that makes I, sense. I, but
1: no, I, 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 no, no just like
0: hearing you talk about that, it it resonates a lot with things I've learned from from past guests, and it it just makes so much sense that you're not trying to shotgun, uh, a business idea, but you're more so trying to become an expert at something, build a framework around it, build demand so that when you go do this thing, you can be the absolute best at it versus like, can I go start an ice cream, an ice cream truck, or can I go start something that's never been done before and has no market? And I I feel like that, that, that does happen a lot, uh, in the, in the entrepreneur space.
1: Yeah. 100%. And then just adding to that, I would say, um, being an entrepreneur, like anything that we've done through Dojo, it hasn't just been me out there kicking butt in the world. It's a community of mentors and leaders and people that I've learned from, or that can connect me into other companies or things like that. And so um, I think working for a great company is a great opportunity to be an entrepreneur down the road, because all of a sudden you have built-in connections that you can reach out to and that can really help you grow your business so being a solopreneur is hard uh, but having a network that you can leverage is going to make that possible
0: yeah well and i and i mean i think you've done a great job around branding and getting people to buy into your mission which is a lot of work uh i know that you know you have alumni who who shout you out and who share their stories and you do a great job of having them on your podcast and, and sharing their stories. Um, so going back to that time when, when you were transitioning, can you briefly just tell me the story about, okay, you, you were at bill or at Divi Are you were at Gibby, yeah. Right? And you decided you wanted to go start this business. Like what, what caused that? What was that transition period like?
1: Yeah, such a good question. So, um, again, back to this concept of mentors, um, one of my greatest mentors was my SDR manager at Divi. His name's Lee. And um, Lee, he's the one who just taught me pretty much everything I know. And I, I credit so much of like who I am, the skills I have to him. Uh, funny story. So Lee, he's Asian. He has a, a, black, a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. So I'd always tease him like, thank you, Sensei, like, thank you, Sensei, for teaching me everything I need to know. Now, if you know anything about the word dojo, dojo is a Japanese word, but it's a place of learning or it's a place you go to learn martial arts. And so when I ended up creating the company, it was kind of like a a way to say thank you to my manager is like calling it dojo because uh, I felt like I went to a dojo to learn sales. And he was kind of the one who taught me those skills. So my manager was, was a big play in teaching me everything. And we are able to kind of give him a tribute just through the name of the company. But a cool story on the side of this, I don't, I'm going to talk about this piece as much, but when I was at Divi, uh, I'd been there for about 15 months and I just moved up the ranks as an SDR. My manager, Lee, sat me down in one of our one-on-ones and he goes, Jaren, you don't belong here. And I was like, what do you mean, dude? Like I'm on your team. And he's like, dude, you don't belong here. Like you need to go do something more than just being an SDR or an AE at the end of the day. And um, at this point in time, like he started telling me about some of his entrepreneurial pursuits and how he'd like created companies outside of work. And he said, you either need to go be an AE and just grind and keep moving up the ladder. Or you need to get out of here and you need to go build a company. And I was like, what in the world? Your manager is actually telling you, like, you don't, you don't fit on his team. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because of performance, but it's because he saw that I had these ideas and this desire to, like, impact more people. And so I ended up kind of taking a leap of faith. I left Divi right at their acquisition with Bill. And I went back to school, which is really weird. I went back to BYU. I was like, well, I'm not going to work at Divi. I'm going to go to school. And it was when I was at school, I had this idea that had been brewing since I talked with my manager Lee about helping other people get into tech. And so I ended up just kind of going for it. I was like, well, there's no better time than right now to take a risk. And I just, we just started running cohorts and people started getting hired and then we'd have bigger companies reach out and then we'd have more students come in and we just kept going um, to where we're now on our uh, 24th cohort coming up in March. And uh, it's it's just crazy that I just needed one person to, to believe in me. And that was enough to like kind of kickstart everything that we've we've done since so
0: wow that's a that's a really good manager (laughs) it was cool it's cool i think i think it's hard to find people like that because you know obviously yeah he's on your team i want you to be here forever you know selling you the the corporate vision of i see you here five and ten years and really he saw some some sort of fire in you to go build something else um which which i think is incredible and so it sounds like it wasn't it wasn't a side hustle, really. He told you to leave. You went back to school <clears throat> and then you had this idea to go start a sales dojo. What, what was it like getting your first couple of customers? I'm sure it's not easy,
1: dude. Yeah, um, it, it was for me, it was never like a, it kind of was a side hustle. So I I realized that I loved teaching. I love training, I love development. And so I went back to school and I was going to go be a performance psychologist because I love the mind, I love performance and I love improving. And so when I was at school, that's when it kind of hit me where I was like, well, let's see if we could train people on the side and see if uh, we could actually help them get, get hired as SDRs. And so our first cohort was um, my sister a friend of mine and a random guy that we convinced to take this course. (laughs) And all of a sudden it was free. It was all free. And all of a sudden all three of them got hired into tech companies. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this works. Let's do it again. So we got three more or like we got a few more people and people started getting hired. I'm like, okay, let's keep going. And we've, we've just kept going. Um, But I think one piece of advice for entrepreneurs is, you know, starting out, you have have to work for free. I think you need to be willing to work for free before you start making money. And so our cohorts, originally, we tried to do a free course. And then, you know, we didn't have any corporate partners. And so we just helped people get hired into any companies that we could. But now, down the road, we're able to charge. For our course, and we're able to charge companies that we work with um, per hire, so so they can kind of bring in better talent. But early on, we were willing to work for free to test and to prove the model before we started trying to just charge people money for a concept that we were still testing. So I think that's been one of our successes. Was I had no risk, and so I was willing to work for free, and uh, you know ended up working out kind of further down the road.
0: So were you able to get like any sales in that first year or was it mostly just Jaren's free workshop?
1: Good question. I think we only worked for free for like two months, three months, because all of a sudden we're like, this works. Like this works. Let's charge people. See if we can, um, you know, see like continue to build a little bit of revenue from this now. And so our pricing model has evolved over the years um, where it went from free to like a hundred dollars and then it went to $500 and now it's $2,000 for a student. Um, And the pricing has changed not because we are just hungry for more money, but it's because we see that students need to actually buy in to what they're doing. And so that was just something I learned as an entrepreneur, like your pricing, your models are going to change as you learn more. But when someone was taking a $100 course, they just didn't treat it with enough value or respect. But when you take a $2,000 course like that, you feel that, you know, come out of your bank and you're bought in to what you're about to learn. And the student's growth has been exponential. We actually increase like what we're asking from them. But we didn't know that early on. And that's just something that we've developed and understood as we've started going further and further down the road. So I think pricing and models will change as you continue to progress in your business.
0: One thing I'm really interested in, Jared, I'm really interested in is what type of students you bring in, because I'm sure, especially when you were doing it for free, I'm sure it's, you get a lot of people that maybe are not that qualified. And so then you put them in a program and you're like, oh man, it's gonna be a really hard pitch, like sending this guy in front of a, a tech CEO that wants to hire an SDR. and so how do you kind of have a, that filter of making sure that I'm bringing in good SDRs? Cause you know, you're, you're training people, but then you're also having to go pitch them and, and put it in front of a VP of sales who, you know, is, is already probably questioning you and questioning how good these applicants are. So how do you do a good job of, of building those
1: people within? Dude, that is such a good question. Um, It's, I'll say it's challenging uh, in certain elements because, you know, if you build a, a, a software, your software doesn't change unless you change it yourself. And so it's a very, you know, repeatable product. Now, our product is our students when they go talk to tech companies. And so our brand sometimes is not in our control, which is actually a little bit challenging. But um you know, bringing in qualified candidates is is definitely a, one of our biggest focuses. And we're finding ways to continue to improve that. Again, we're not perfect. So we're going to keep really trying to uh, improve, especially in that category. But um, we've seen pricing be a, a big one. Like if you're not bought in, then the price is, will actually keep you out, which is nice. And then um, sacrifice of time. Like we are an after hours course. I'd say about 90% of our, our graduates are working full-time or full-time students. And so if, if, like, by the end of the day, you know, you're probably pretty tired. I think majority of us are tired after work, and you're like, I'm just going to chill. But, you know, this is not just a, a normal course. This is an above and beyond type of course where we're going to meet in the evenings. We're going to challenge you on your character to make sure your character traits are improving, like, inside and outside of work, and we're going to improve your skill set. And so it's, it's been cool to see when people buy into that, that um, those are our easily our best, best candidates. And, and so
0: you make money, you charge, can you kind of talk to me how you like
1: uh, monetize or what you charge for and, and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. So when we are working or like our business model, we kind of a two sided business model. So we have our students. Um, we do charge students to come to the course because we need to pay our instructors, um, which has been really cool to work with. We, we now bring in like VPs and directors of sales. Oh, to wow. That's great. These courses, which are cool. Um, but so we do charge the students, but then we also partner with uh, high caliber tech companies that are really growing and starting to scale their sales teams. And these companies want high caliber talent. And so we're able to connect our top graduates into these companies. And we've seen that companies are willing to pay for the right candidate when they're able to come in and, you know, raise the bar and make an immediate impact. Uh, so we kind of have that two sided model working with students and working with companies. Is it ever
0: challenging managing egos or, or even selling to executives? Cause you know, you're working with entry-level SDRs uh, on, on one side and then, on the other side, you have to be buttoned up and super professional because you're pitching your services to VPs and, and stuff like that. Is that ever a challenge, or how do you, how do you go about doing
1: that? Dude, that's a great question. To to be honest, my experience because you're a young at, guy, right? Like you're because you're really yeah. you're, 26,
0: 27. Uh, I'm
1: <laughs> you're twenty six, twenty seven. I'm twenty five.
0: Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. See, you're so young, and then you're going not toe to toe, but I mean. Yeah, you're a CEO founder that has a service and you have to talk to people that you know have interviewed hundreds, if not thousands, of SDRs and look gone through these programs. And so I can't imagine uh what that must be like or if it's intimidating or if you've had people like talk down to you or anything like that.
1: Dude, it it's a great question. I'll answer that in two parts. Number one, my experience as an SDR. Invaluable, invaluable in what I'm doing. Because as I'm an SDR, I was like 20 years old. I'm talking to CFOs at 500 mm-hmm. plus employee companies. And we're just chatted up, shooting the breeze. And my confidence like totally grew just from being an SDR and kind of getting put through a ringer for a little bit. And you just gain like tough skin and the ability to connect, talk, and present yourself in a better manner. So that is, that's been really helpful, like when we're talking to VPs of sales. But second, it's tough, man. When you run your own company, anything that goes wrong, it's always on you. Like anytime that you're falling short, even if it's like a student that fell short or like they didn't show up for an interview, it always comes back to you as an entrepreneur. And that is something I'm still working on. I still fight, like call me a people pleaser, but I wanna, I want to be one of the best. I want people to like us. I want people to, you know, do business with us. And so when things fall short, I feel a big weight on my chest that I've, I still have to kind of deal with and work on. Um, but on the flip side, like anything good that happens, like you're really, really proud of yourself and you're really grateful for the people that helped you get there um but there it's there's pros and cons like that weight gets pretty heavy sometimes you know being able to have to take take everything that might go wrong in your company and, and own up to it
0: yeah well and i i think uh that's that's a good lesson to learn early i'm i'm super curious you know you, your business has done really well i I think you do great at branding you do great at a lot of things but i'm really interested if you could help me understand what are things that have attributed to the growth that were because of you versus things that were luck like what are things that you did that jaron erickson did that has made this turn into something and then what are things that were probably just more of like happenstance
1: dude really good question um I, there's this definition of luck. Maybe this is super stereotypical, but luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I
0: love that quote.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was actually, uh,
0: that was my screensaver on my iPad when I was doing door-to-door. So <laughs> yeah. I, like, I couldn't love that quote more.
1: Yeah, so I'll say it again, but luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I feel like that's what my whole business has been built upon, um, where I try to be a really good guy. Like, I, I hope that people know that about me. I do care. I do want to help. I do want to give back. Like, if you remember anything about me, I would love it for to be those attributes. Um, and when you give back and you try to serve, people are willing to help you. And so you can call that luck, but you can also look at a lot of preparation of trying to be a good person, trying to give back to those things where people are then willing to come in. And, and help your mission move forward. And so, Dojo, people s- understand what we're trying to do. We're not just a software that's trying to scale, which I think would be cool to do at some point in the future, but we are a company with a mission of changing lives. And when people see that we're trying to change lives, they get excited and they also want to help push that mission forward. And so, I think the luckiest part of what we do is having a mission driven company that is that's the luckiest part about our business is we are so mission driven that people want to come and help and uh, i think that there's a lot that goes into it but i th- i think that is one piece that i'd be very lucky that we get to pursue yeah i think i think it's interesting i've
0: heard you talk about this a million times and you can't talk about sales Dojo without talking about your mission and I think that just points a lot to the character and to really what you're doing. Because I've never heard you talk about sales dojo as like this business, this I want to be a millionaire type thing, which I just think is like very telling because a lot of people, even myself included, have selfish desires where I want to build a business so that I can have uh, retirement money and, and exit and all those things. I'm sure that, that that's in there, but it's cool to hear how um, how mission driven it is. Um, and, and just that side of the business, and how you've been able to implement that into your branding. When you look at the future, I know that right now, it, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. It kind of seems like a solopreneur thing. Yeah. it's mostly you, and you have like a couple contractors. When you look at the next like five years of sales dojo, um, what
1: do you? What does look, growth look like there? How do you plan on growing it? Dude, it's such a good question. So, uh, if I was to ever start a business again, I wouldn't do it alone to be honest um mm-hmm. i i really badly wish i had a co-founder with me from the beginning that's been one of the hardest parts of of running a company is I, it's very lonely and yes we have contractors and we have people around us but contractors do what you tell them to do and that's great but that means you have to always be ideating and operating everything um and then moving the pieces and and uh Sometimes stressful <laughs> and a little overwhelming, but uh, personally, I'd, I'd love to bring on a, a co founder. And um, this kind of ties into this, but I'm a big believer in, in lifelong learning and pursuing just continual knowledge. And so this, this past month, I actually took a boot camp called Startup Ignition. And Startup Ignition is run by John and Tyler Richards. Uh, John Richards, he was a former BYU professor. They have both grown, scaled, and exited from multiple million-dollar tech companies, and uh, I decided to kind of come in and like I want to learn from people like this so that we can have a similar type of, you know, exit hopefully. And uh, as we're going through the course, one of the biggest things they talked about is growing the team, and how if you are alone, you have one of the highest rates of failing uh, out of out of all companies. And so that's, that's been one thing I've really thought about. is like, well, if we're going to actually accomplish what we want to accomplish, we need to, we need to bring in the right people, maybe give up some equity in order to do that and start to kind of gather the resources, the skills and things that we need to tackle it as a team effort rather than just a uh, one man running the show and doing everything through contractors. So something that I've been ideating on, but I think that'll be one of our, our changes this year is and we want to bring in the right people. We want to do things right. And we want to have the highest chance of being successful that we possibly can. So what does that growth actually look like
0: um, when you say bringing in different people? Are there certain metrics you're tracking? Are you trying to hit certain revenue targets or certain uh, cohort numbers? What does what that what's that mean? And I'm sure, I think it's really cool what you're doing with uh, John Richards and, and the ignition. What are some of like those goals that you're trying to accomplish there?
1: Yeah, good question. So for us, uh, we definitely want to start doing things at scale, like a, a lot bigger than what we're doing right now. And so we typically, we we run one cohort a month, and then we help those individuals get hired into a lot of our partners. Now, uh, what we envision moving forward is we want to be running multiple cohorts simultaneously. So in each cohort, we'll typically average about 10 people. But if, our, our goal would be to run uh, three to four cohorts every single month. As well as expand some of our classes, where we, I think a big one for us would be helping SDRs learn the skills that they need to become account executives so that they can actually gain the training as an SDR that's going to set them apart once those positions open up within companies. We've also thought about doing some revenue operations types of courses or classes. So we want to become a a more uh, generalized sales like enablement type of company where we're able to train on the skills that we need to help people get into tech sales, but then continue to grow and flourish in their careers. And so for us, that means increasing our student base through the SDR push, but then also um, leveraging additional courses and, and um, like skill sets so that we can start to you know cater to more people that are looking to get into different types of career paths as well. Um, but I think we sure. really focus a lot of our growth on like the number of students that we're able to bring in, because that's probably our biggest revenue predictor. Uh, and Sharon, I know that we've talked about this before, but
0: there's a lot of uncertainty in tech, you know, there's layoffs every day, it seems like, and money's getting tighter. And that's obviously what fuels tech startups being able to pay the great money that they do, which is what's really attractive to people that want to get into tech. How have you seen, um, interest on the SDR side of people wanting to actually transition and how have you seen interest of people like actually being able to place jobs have you had any issues trying to place people with the way the
1: economy is yeah great question Uh, again one of the things we've learned up in startup ignition like john tyler richards the people who are teaching this course is they talk about don't fight the economy (laughs) like don't fight it like it will win um and so right now we're kind of in a down cycle. And so what we talk about is it doesn't mean don't start a business or it doesn't mean you can't be successful, but it means you need to be extremely lean so that when the market turns, you're able to just go and, and really catch those up waves. And so for us, like we still have partners that are hiring. like We still have companies that will reach out because yes, some of these upper level, bigger companies, maybe they're having layoffs. You also have lean and mean startups who just raised a series a that are starting to scale um and so we work with a lot of those companies that are up and coming as well as you know uh not just focusing on some of these bigger companies that are a little bit slower moving and might be affected by the economy and so So don't fight the economy
0: run a little bit more lean um all right so have you know? I mean, you said that we're in a down market. I think everyone knows that. But have you seen a, a decline in in applicants coming that are interested in the program, or have you had a harder time placing people because of the economy, or what What are you noticing?
1: Yeah, good question. I think it's less about um, companies not hiring as many SDRs. To be honest, I think it's more about they need better SDRs. Uh, I think there's, uh, I don't I don't want to sound mean when I say this or bad, but there's a lot of dead weight sometimes on certain teams yeah. where people just aren't performing and um, the companies can't afford to have that anymore. And so they, they're really, really locked in on making sure they can bring in high caliber individuals that have the skill sets they need that can kind of raise the bar they need these positions these are such a high velocity mm-hmm. and a high turnover position that they need to get the best people into the role and so we still have companies who are reaching out wanting better candidates than a lot of that they're sourcing because maybe a lot of the ones they've sourced have come from maybe uh or got cut for certain reasons and so i don't want to sound mean or bad when i say that i just think that that's kind of a perspective that i've had on it but it's, a, it's about being the best now instead of just, you know, passing the bare minimum. So, you, so your thesis is that companies are still hiring. They
0: want better SDRs, which I actually think that there, there's something to be said about people that are wanting to get into tech versus people that have been through three rounds of layoffs. Because if you've been through three rounds of layoffs, you may be less than enthusiastic about your next tech company versus if you're coming from like a plumbing job uh, or, uh, maybe like working at a grocery store where it was, you know, you're making an hourly wage, you'd be way more excited about coming in and trying this new thing. And then you carry that momentum. And I think momentum is really important. You know, you have negative momentum when you're coming from a place that wasn't working out. And so I can imagine that that works out in your favor too. One of the things that I like about your boot camp as well, it's four weeks, which is really quick. Um. But Alex Formosy, he talks about the importance of like condensing learning, mm-hmm. and I think that's so important because I, I heard you say this in a podcast the other day. You know, people go to college, and myself included, but they forget how to learn. And so, you can learn so quickly, and that's one of the things I loved about B- my time at BYU Idaho. Is our semesters were a month shorter than everywhere else, and so I had to learn a full like semesters worth of knowledge in a month less than all my peers at different schools, which I think is very underrated. And same thing with your cohort. Like if you can condense that learning and say, I can confidently be an SDR, that you're saving so much time. Because there's no need to say, I need to be an SDR for 18 months before I can go get another SDR job. Like that's nonsense. Why why do we put these these time factors or these time frames on silly things like learning when you can do that? And John Richards did the same thing with with Dev Mountain, where you know you go do this boot camp and then you can get a six-figure job doing
1: uh, coding, and I imagine that makes him like a perfect mentor for you, dude. Yeah, there's there's a reason I paid the two grand. I paid two grand for three days of class to uh, go learn from John and Tyler Richards, and because I wanted their mentorship. So that was an investment <laughs> into, into a mentor who's been through before me. But I'm such a big believer in what you say as well. Um, again, there's a the reason I took a boot camp is because we run a boot camp, and I'm such a believer in continuous learning that you should always be investing in your skill set, in, in your skill set, in mentors that can have been through it and can teach you those skills. And uh, I, I love what that thought of you know condensing different types of learning because uh, we are getting people jobs in tech companies in four weeks when some individuals are taking four years to go get the same job. And so if you know what you want, then go learn the same the skills that you need to be in there and then you can go and, and crush that type of role. Um and so I think what I'm a big fan of just cutting the fluff, getting to the skills that you need and then mastering those skills to set you apart from other people other than, you know, maybe taking prolonged prolonged periods um, I'm not against school. I think school is going to continue to change though. And I think that's what I get really excited about is uh, just like how everything that we do is like pick and choose. We get to pick and choose everything these days. Netflix, pick and choose what you want. You have all these options. I think school is going to be the same thing where it's going to be less locked down. Like you have to do this. And It's going to be more of what do you want to learn? How do you want to learn? How are you going to do it? So I feel like Dojo, we're at the, the front lines of that education space where I think we're changing a little bit of the education industry. And that's what I get excited about. And I hope long term that we or other companies can continue to make a bigger impact where uh, schools are now constantly improving their curriculum, constantly changing. And they're trying to be the front lines instead of just like boot camps. And customized training be the be the front lines.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure it's kind of interesting from your perspective too. I mean, you don't even have a college degree and, and but you're such a huge fan of continuing education, right? Um and I it's been really cool having you on as well, just because obviously you're this perfect example of a salespreneur, you know, you, you got into sales so you could do something great. And now even with sales dojo, I'm such a fan of it just because I believe that sales is such a great career. For people that want to go do more with their life, I think that sales is so incredible because you can come and earn much more, way faster, and then you can buy your a house, you can buy a rental property, you can buy a business, you can uh, buy back your time. You can say, "Hey, instead of taking three years to save up a down payment for a house, I can take one year, and now I can start house hacking, or I can start getting the things I want quicker because I worked harder." Like sales is really the only job where you can do that, where your effort is directly correlated to how much you make. And I think that's such a fascinating thing with sales. Um, and so it's cool that you're able to do that for other people and really bring them under your, under your wing and say, Hey, I know that it's hard, but like there's a place where you can make more money. Um, you know, uh, sorry, the last couple of minutes we have, I, I know you shared tons of great actual advice for salespeople from not forcing it to, uh, you know, trying to build a brand and all these different things. If, if you just had to give us like one last piece of advice for someone that's a sales rep right now that wants to get into entrepreneurship, either by starting something or buying something, what would you, what would you tell that person?
1: Yeah. Um, I read this book by an author named Adam Grant. Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist. Yeah. I love him. So in his book, Originals, he talks he he does a study on people that are just top performers and kind of change the course of of the world in certain ways or grown you know very successful companies and i think a lot of times as entrepreneurs we think it's either all in or nothing like you have to take this big risk and then being an entrepreneur is very risky he kind of debunks that where majority of the top entrepreneurs that have have existed are very calculated in how they do things so if you're wanting to start a business i wouldn't recommend actually quitting your job and jumping all in that's kind of what i did but i wouldn't recommend that i'd say you grow it on the side and just start just start see if it works see if you can gain some traction and then all of a sudden, once you have some traction and you see that there's potential, then maybe go all in. But a lot of that risk is debunked by being able to test while you're in a stable environment and then make the jump into another stable environment. So if you're wanting to be an entrepreneur, that's my biggest advice is like just start. Just, just, just go for it. Like Take the risk of starting rather than taking the risk of just jumping one hundred percent all in. Start, test, learn, build a stable platform. And then you can start to make a more like a better educated decision to jump ship and, and go full time onto your side hustle. So that's... I don't know if that's helpful at all, but that's how I think that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I've seen. I see. Uh, I think I think it's I think it's well
0: said. I think more people need to hear it and actually do it. Uh, I've said this several times, but I think 90% of people that want to, out of the 90% of people that want to be entrepreneurs, only 10% of them or 5% will ever actually do something, whether it's spinning up a Shopify page or spinning up a website or just going and talking to people, like go talk to people that have a problem and ask them, how much money would you pay me to solve that problem? Like, I think there's just very, very small, basic things. And uh, so I love hearing your, your advice on it. Uh, Jaron, been great having you on the show, and uh, excited to to hear more from you in the future, and maybe we'll have you back when uh, when this thing blows up.
1: Heck yeah, dude! Again, I, I love what you're doing. I think it's such a natural jump from sales into entrepreneurship, and having a sales skill set will set you apart and set you up to actually succeed as an entrepreneur. And so, I again, do I say? Don't do sales just for entrepreneurship. I say, no, do both. Go work in sales skills. And then when you're ready, go try to do something on your own and see how things go. You're just that, dude. Love you. You're awesome. Peace.